the Jew rejected Christ, God not only received the natural branch, but God took the engrafted branch. That's you and I. That's the Gentile. Look what he goes on to say here. To them gave he power. To become the sons of God, even to those that believe upon his name, which were born, not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. This text basically declares two things. Number one, it declares that there are those people in this world that have rejected Jesus Christ. Not just the Jew, but Gentile alike, dearly beloved. This world is populated with people that have rejected the Lord Jesus Christ. But thank God this verse and this text also declares there are those that have received the Lord Jesus Christ. Did you know, dearly beloved, that comprises the population of this world? Not red and yellow, black and white, not Spanish and English in different cultures and different languages, idiomas. No, dearly beloved, there's two kinds of people that populate this world, and that is those who have received the Lord Jesus and those who have rejected the Lord Jesus, and therein lies the difference between those that are going to heaven when they die and those that will go to hell, as the Scripture teaches. And this morning, dearly beloved, I want to maximize, I want to emphasize, I want to magnify just what it is that makes the difference. And we see it beating like a heart in this text where it says very clearly in verse number 13, which were born, notice that first phrase, which were born. And then notice the last two words of that verse, of God. We're not trying to alleviate the scripture, but let's put those two phrases together. Which were born of God, dearly beloved, therein lies the difference between those who are saved and those who are lost. Those who are going to heaven and those who aren't, dearly beloved, what is the difference? The difference is being born of God. It is very consistent with the text of this gospel of John, when you go into chapter 3 and Nicodemus came to Jesus by night. He said, good master, what must a man do to have eternal life? And Jesus tells him very clearly, he says, Nicodemus, verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again. And he goes on to explain that. He said, that which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Except a man be born of the water and of the Spirit, he can in no wise enter into the kingdom of God. He stresses their physical birth, the birth of the water. I know some believe that to be the Word of God. It could be. I wouldn't fall out with you over that, but... I believe he's emphasizing physical birth and spiritual birth. It is of a truth, my dear people, today that if you're only born once, you'll die twice. But if you're born twice, you'll only die once. I'm glad I've been born again. Amen. Some people say that this old time religion is just a thing of the past. Brother Roloff used to do this. 
But in this modern age that we're living, it's the only thing that will last. Now you may think I'm a little old-fashioned, but friend, that's all right with me. For I'm so glad that I am a Christian and from sin I have been set free. I know, I know there's no doubt about it. He's real in my heart. And I'm going to shout it. I know, I know my sins are forgiven. <laughs> and I'm on my way to a place that's called heaven. Isaiah sang for three chapters. I might as well sing for three minutes. <laughs> what does it mean to be born of God? You know, I believe you and I will be delighted this morning to find it right here in the text. And there's basically two things John tells us here. Number one, he tells us what the new birth is not. Number two, he tells us what it is. Let me say that again. He tells us in verse number 13 what the new birth is not. And in verse number 12, he tells us what it is. I'm glad that the Holy Spirit chose in inspiring this book, in writing this book, he chose to give us both sides of the coin. Sometimes we need to know what it is not because there are those, dearly beloved, that are deceived. But we most certainly need to know what it is in order that we might understand and be able to embrace what it means to be born of God. Number one, let me take a few moments and tell you what it is not. There's three things that it is not. Number one, it is not by human descent. I like what he says in verse 13, which were born not of blood. In other words, it's not by your genealogy. It's not by your birthright. You say, well, preacher, I was born into a Christian home. My father was a preacher. My, my grandfather was a preacher. I understand that. I was born in a Christian home too. If I ever knew two Christians, it was my father and my mother. And I'm grateful for that. And boy, I don't want to, I, I don't want to minimize a, a, a godly heritage this morning, but we must understand, dearly beloved, that you are not saved by the purity of your pedigree. You're not going to heaven because you're born into a Christian home any more than you're a car because you were born in a garage. It is not by your pedigree. It is not by human descent. Listen to the words of Simon Peter. He said this in 1 Peter 1 and 23. Being born again, not of corruptible seed, but by the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. Hey, I'm grateful for a godly heritage. And if you have that this morning, dearly beloved, that is a glorious and a wonderful thing, but it will not get you into heaven. You must experience a spiritual birth. You must be born again by the word of God that liveth and abideth 
forever. No wonder Paul said faith cometh by hearing. And hearing by the word of God. It is not by human descent or the purity of one's pedigree. It is not by human desire. Look what he says here in verse number 13. Nor, the word nor being a variation of the word not, it still carries the negative context. Nor of the will of the flesh. What is Paul or what is John talking about here? What he's talking about is the fervor of our feelings. He's talking about being sincere. There are some that think that they're going to heaven because they are sincere about what they believe. Whether it is right or not wrong, they are sincere about it. But I remind you that Paul told young Titus, the young preacher, in Titus chapter 3 and verse number 5, that it is not by works of righteousness which we have done. In Philippians chapter 3, Paul talks about all of his religious credentials. He talks about all of the things that he has accomplished in his Pharisaical training. And yet Paul says, I count all those things but dung. Back in the last century, in the latter part, a man by the name of Jim Jones took a group of people to Guyana, South America. And they were so sincere about what they were doing that they took cyanide poison and filled it into a hypodermic needle and put it into the mouths of their babies. Others took the cup and they drank the mix and over 900 people died and were found dead in the jungle. Wouldn't you say they were sincere? But I'm here to tell you today, dearly beloved, you can be sincere and be sincerely wrong. It is not of blood that is by the purity of our pedigree. It is not of human descent that is the fervor of our feelings. But then there's a third thing that he tells us here that it is not, and it is not by human design. Look what he says here, nor of the will of man. Solomon tells us very clearly in the book of Proverbs chapter 14 and verse number 12. He said, there is a way that seemeth right unto man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. It seems right to man. It seems reasonable. It seems good, but the end thereof are the ways of death. Why? Because Jesus said, I am the way and I am the truth and I am the life and no man cometh unto the Father but by me. He is the only way. Men have devised many means in many ways. They say it's through the church. They say it's through the baptistry. They say it's through good works and living a good life, accomplishing great things. But I'm here to tell you, dearly beloved, it is in Christ and in Christ alone. It's not what we can do for him, but it's what he has done done for us that merits us eternal life. I will go to heaven based upon the merits of my Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. John tells us very clearly here what the new birth is not. It is not by human descent that is the purity of one's pedigree. 
It is not by human desire the fervor of one's feelings. It is not by human design the confession of one's creed. But I'm glad that he doesn't stop there. Paul Harvey used to have a radio program and his slogan that everybody remembers is, and that's the rest of the story. We need to hear the rest of the story. Because here's what he tells us that the new birth is. It basically involves three things. Number one, it is in believing. Number two, it is in receiving. Number three, it is in conceiving. Very simple, but that's the gospel. The gospel is a very simple message. Matter of fact, so simple, many times people overlook it. So simple that many times people say, there's no way that it can be that simple. Yes, there is a way, and that way is in Christ and in Christ alone. And it is this simple, dearly beloved. How is a man born of God? And I'm not giving you three steps here. These are simultaneous truths and transactions that take place in you when the new birth finds its, when it finds its place in the soul of your soul. There is a believing, there is a receiving, and there is a conceiving that takes place. Look what he says in verse number 12. He's very clear about it. But as many, thank God for that, he didn't say the chosen. I hear people talk about some are chosen to go to hell and some are chosen to go to heaven. Only problem with that is I've never seen that in the Bible. It's amazing for people to say that. I'll tell you what God has chosen. And if you read Romans chapter 8, it's the greatest chapter in the Bible on eternal security. And if you read Romans chapter 8, he tells you what he's chosen. He's chosen to conform us to the image of his son. Let me tell you something beautiful. If you ever do get saved by the grace of God, he's going to take you all the way through. <laughs> You're not going to have to worry about getting lost or dropped off along the way. He's going to carry you all the way through. That's what he said. But as many, red and yellow, black and white, they are precious in his sight. Jesus loves the little children of the world. Matters not what culture they come from. Matters not what color they are. Matters not what language they speak. Jesus died for all men and all that come unto God through him. He will in no wise cast out. Good friend of mine, Dr. Billy Goolsby, made the statement. He said, I did a word study on that word all. Prepare yourself. Brace yourself. You know what that word all means? All. <laughs> Believing, number one. Let's look at it. Verse number 12. But as many as received him, them gave he power to call, to them gave he power to become the sons of God. Sons of God. Even to them that believe on his name. Let me just touch on this word believe. It's not just a mental assent. I believe there's people in our churches that are going to miss the kingdom of God because they've given mental assent up here, but they've never really believed down here. My father used to say some people are going to miss heaven from the distance of their, 
by the distance from their head to their heart. Let me tell you something, dearly beloved. Getting it up here won't change your life. Getting it down here will revolutionize your life. Believing is reserved for the heart and the heart alone. I love what I love what uh, uh, Stephen told uh, or Philip told the Ethiopian eunuch. Here he was in. Here he was in Samaria and a great revival was going on and the Holy Spirit said to him, Philip, I want you to leave this revival and I want you to go down here to Gaza. There's a black man in the deserts riding in the chariot. He's got a hold of a scroll. And he's reading somewhere around what we call Isaiah chapter 53. Boy, Philip approaches the chariot. He said, do you understand what you're reading? He said, how can I? We need to remember this now, folks. This is why you knock on doors. This is why you bring people to the house of God. This is why we preach. This is why we sing. This is why we have these services. And it's because of what Philip said, or the eunuch said. He said, how can I accept some men show? Do you know there are people out there that would love to know? There's people out there that would get saved if somebody would show them. Well, we know what happened. He got in the chariot and he preached unto him Jesus. Boy, that's what we need to be preaching. It's Jesus in the morning, Jesus at the noontide, Jesus in the evening, and Jesus at night. It's just Jesus. Lord, let me magnify Jesus today. Can't say enough about Jesus. <laughs> Woo! Con permiso. You remember what that eunuch asked Philip? He said, here's water. What doth hinder me to be baptized? He said, do you believe with all your heart? That's what it means to believe. Another good biblical illustration I can give you is found in the book of Leviticus where he talked about the scapegoat and the sacrificial lamb. You remember that scapegoat, that priest would pray over him confessing the sins of the nation of Israel and then they would take a fit man and that man would take that goat by his hand and lead him out into an uninhabited land and that goat would never come back. What a picture of our sin. Christ is the scapegoat. He's the sacrificial lamb. He's the fit man that led our sins into the wilderness and they'll never come back again. He's buried them in the depths of the sea. He's cast them as far as the east is from the west. Woo, glory be to God. That's good. But you remember what it said about that scapegoat? It said the priest, the high priest of the nation of Israel would take his hands and put his hands on the head of that goat and he'd lean on him, confessing the sins of the nation of Israel. What a illustration of what believe means. I'm going to sing again. What a fellowship. What a joy divine Leaning on the everlasting arms What a blessedness, what a peace is mine Leaning on the everlasting arms That's where I'm leaning today Since June the 8th, 1971 I began to lean on Jesus And I'm still leaning on Him today And I have been born of God Because there was a day and a time When I believed upon the Lord Jesus 
But he didn't just say believe. He said believe upon his name. His name is so very important. Luke 4, Acts 4 and 12 almost said Luke. Well, Luke wrote it. Acts 4 and 12 said there's none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must, must be saved. We don't just believe. We believe upon his name. Paul clarified that name to the Philippian jailer. What must I do, sirs, to be saved? Some have debated whether he was talking about his skin or his soul. I believe he was talking about his soul. I believe he heard Paul and Silas singing at the darkest time of their life. I believe he heard them praying at the most difficult time of their life. I believe he heard, I believe he heard them praising at the most devastating time of their life. He wanted what they had. And what was Paul's retort? Believe. On the Lord Jesus Christ. What is his name? It's the Lord Jesus Christ. Believe upon the one who is sovereign. That's what the word Lord means. He doesn't want to just come and tag along. He wants to take over. I like what he told Joshua. When Joshua saw the angel of the Lord, which was a Christophanes, a Theophanes. It was an Old Testament appearance of Jesus Christ. And he was standing against the wall close to Jericho. And he said, are you come? Whose side are you on? He said, I didn't come to be on anybody's side. I come to take over. That's what God's purpose is in saving you. He wants to come to take over. He wants you to know that you can't lean on yourself anymore. Just lean on him. He's got strong arms. Oh, the strong arms of Jesus. The Lord who is sovereign, Jesus, who is son or substitute. He became a man. He became what you and I are, that we might become who he is, one of the sons of God. Amen. He took a body of flesh. He lived a sinless life. He knew no sin. He had no sin. And in him was no sin. That's why he was the lamb slain before the foundation of the world. That's why he could go to Calvary's cross. Because long before man ever came into this world and Adam breathed his first breath, God gave up his son. The Lord, one who is sovereign, Jesus, one who is son, substitute, Christ, the one who is savior. The word Christ means anointed one. It means chosen one. You don't mind, I'm going to get indignant. That's just me, okay? I know it's not worth a plug, nickel, but it's, it's me. I love that old song, but every once in a while I take a little bit of umbrage towards the words. Just suppose. I'm glad they say just suppose because that's all it is is supposition. God searched through it. There never was a search, folk. There never was a choice to be made. There's only one who is sinless and high and holy. There's only one who ever qualified to die for my sins. There's only one, dearly beloved, in the halls of heaven who could ever go to Calvary and die for you and me. And it is him, it is Christ and Christ alone. He is the chosen one. He is the anointed one. And in order to be born of God, you must believe upon now, folks, I, I got to tell you, when this happens, you're not going to be intellectually conscious of all this. You may not understand all the theological terminology. 
But when it's preached like this, the Holy Spirit's going to rise up in your heart and say, Amen. I attest to that. That's what I did for you. Believing, then receiving. Look at the first part of that verse, verse 12. But as many, thank God, God is an equal opportunity Savior. He's colorblind. He's culture blind. He is an equal opportunity Savior. He'll save the up and in. He'll save the down and out. Christ receiveth. Even me. With all my sin. Brother Harold Clayton told me he was going to start charging me for preaching in his church for tearing his equipment up. <laughs> We're taking it out of your love offering, preacher. We're taking it out of your love offering. You're tearing the equipment up. But as many as received him. That's simple. That's simple. Romans 6 and 23, the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. What do you have to do to possess that gift? Just simply receive it. To reach out and take it, to take it in. And brothers and sisters, that's what happens to you when you get saved. A new spirit moves in you, a new nature moves in you. The very nature of God, Paul described it as the old man and the new man. Paul described it as the flesh and the spirit. And when you get saved, you're just simply holding back nothing. You're opening the door of your heart and you're saying, Come in, Lord. Take residence, Lord. Assume the throne of my soul. No wonder Paul said, He hath sent the spirit of his Son into our hearts. Whereby we cry, Abba, Father. And you know what that word Abba means? My Father. My Father. No wonder Jesus taught his disciples to pray and said, Our Father, which art in heaven. You know, he told the Pharisees, You've got a different Father. He's the Father of lies. Your father is the devil, religious though you may be. Your father is not my father. Boy, I'm glad this morning that I'm an heir of God and a joint heir with Jesus Christ. And, and his father is my father. And the reason why, dearly beloved, is in believing and receiving, I have become one of the sons of God. First John chapter 3 says this, Beloved, it doth not yet appear shall be but we know that when we shall see him we shall be like him for we shall see him as he is believing receiving and conceiving look at that phrase in the middle of that verse to them who those who believed and received they conceived the word conceived there literally means possessing the power Possessing the power. You and I don't possess it in and of ourselves. We cannot declare it. There's only one who can, the Lord Jesus himself. The 
crown jewel of glory, the royal diadem of heaven. He possesses the authority to declare you and I sons and daughters of God. I am a declared son. I didn't slip in the back door. I didn't pay my way in. I came by the way of the cross and he has declared me according to Romans chapter six. Righteousness is imputed to me. It is counted to me. I do not deserve it. I have not earned it. He declared it. He imputed it. Why? Because he has the power to do so. There's an old gentleman in our church. He used to bird hunt with Brother Roloff. Brother Roloff was my daddy's pastor. In 1948, he ordained my father to preach. Second Baptist Church, Corpus Christi, Texas. Old Brother Fluell, and he used to bird hunt with Brother Roloff. He said, Brother Roloff's the only man I ever saw could hit two birds with one shell. He was that good. Great hunter, great fisherman. Great preacher, great man of faith. And he was out witnessing to a fellow at a stop and go store just down the road from our church one day. And Brother Flew had been, we called him Brother Flew. His name was Flew Ellen, but everybody called him Flew. Old Brother Flew was witnessing to this boy. He had been witnessing to him. The gentleman walked out of the store, and old Brother Flew looked at him and said, and I forget his name, he called his name. He said, Man, when are you going to get saved? He said, when I get good and ready to, Flu. You know what Brother Flu told him? Where are you going to get your power? Where are you going to get your power? See, you'll not call the shots, God will. You'll not set the terms, God does. And, and what he was saying, friend, if it's not of God, there'll be no power. You know, Joni and I had four children. And for three of those birds, I was right there in the chamber. I saw God deliver those babies into our hands. And I'm going to tell you something, folk. It was a miracle. And you know where it all started? It all started with divine conception when the seed of the word and the soul of man's soul came together. It generated, it empowered a life that I have enjoyed all these years, the lives of my children. And let me tell you something, when the seed of the word of God germinated with the soul of my soul, God set forth life. God empowered and gave life to me. No wonder Jesus said, I come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. Now, you don't have to understand all that to get saved. But if you ever do, that's what's going to happen. There'll be a believing. There'll be a receiving. And there'll be a conceiving that takes place. How about you this morning? Do you know that your name is written in the book of life? Do you know for sure, beyond a shadow of a doubt, if your eyes closed in death, you'd wake up on Hallelujah Avenue? On Glory Boulevard? <laughs> Do you know that? You can know that. These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God that ye may know that you have eternal life. Do you know that? Or maybe there are some here today, even in this great church, that are trusting in their works, their pedigree, their fervency, their creed, 
to get them to heaven. I'm here to tell you, folk, it'll fall short. There's only one who is sufficient, and it is the Lord Jesus Christ. With our heads bowed and eyes closed.